Have you found yourself spinning your wheels on planning? Either you didn't plan enough or maybe not at all, or you never seem to execute on all the great plans that you have. In this episode, I'll share a better way to approach planning and I'll challenge you to do the same. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 319. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. All of us have heard about the importance of planning, goal setting, and yet it is one of those activities as leaders and human beings that is elusive for many of us. Either we spend way too much time doing it and then never executing, or we don't put the time into it that we need to, and ultimately we're not getting the results that we want. And I have been running an experiment for the past year. It's worked fantastically well for me. It's working for a number of our Academy members, and I'm here today to share it with you because this is the time of the year that a lot of us are starting to think about the next year and getting close to year end and figuring out what we want to have happen next. And a lot of us are also looking for a better way to do planning and executing on those plans with the minimum amount of time wasted, which I have been guilty of doing in the past. And so before getting into the details of this, let me take a step back on how I came to this because I feel like I'm doing a much better job planning now, executing on those plans, but it absolutely has not always been the case. In fact, most of the time it has not been the case throughout my life and my career. I began the planning process with doing nothing at all, which is what I've done most years uh, up until the last few years. I didn't do much planning. I would maybe uh, write down a few things at the beginning of the year I'd have in mind what to do, but the reality was, especially earlier in my career, I would execute on what I had done the prior year that worked, and in honesty, I'd wait to kind of see what happened and to see what opportunities would come my way, and occasionally something did. More often than not, though, things generally stayed pretty much the same, so I wouldn't do that much at all, and by the way, if that's where you're at right now, I don't don't necessarily intend to put a value judgment on that. I've done that for a lot of years myself. And if you're perfectly happy with that and it's working for you, I don't necessarily think there's a need to change that. I don't think all of us have to necessarily go through a detailed planning process as human beings every year. Uh, There's reasons to do that and reasons not to do that. The reason I mention this, though, is because most of us who are part of the Coaching for Leaders community, in fact, 75% of the listeners to this show, are managers, executives, or business owners. And by definition of their roles and responsibilities in the organizations, not only do they need to lead, but they need to plan well and set a path forward. So that's where doing nothing at all, if you're in that category, as many of us are, isn't going to work long-term for the role within the organization. So there is a better way, and I tried it a few years too, which is setting New Year's resolutions of getting to the first week of January and deciding what I would do differently this year, both professionally and personally. And occasionally that would result in something good happening for a short period of time, once in a while for a year or maybe longer. 
More often than not, though, I ran into the same challenges that many of you have run into in setting something at the beginning of the year, trying to do a bunch of new things, and you know, toward the end of January or February, not really having made a lot of traction on it, kind of forgotten about it, and losing that momentum that is so natural at the very beginning of the year. So I was really happy a few years ago when I started to really intentionally plan out my annual goals. And I really did see an uptick in doing that. And the the motivating factor for me was to purchase Michael Hyatt's course, The Best Year Ever Course. A number of you in our community have purchased it uh, on our recommendation. Thank you if you have done that in the past. And I've purchased it every year as well because I knew that if I invested the money to do it, that I would actually sit down and force myself and and sometimes it did kind of feel like I was forcing myself to do the planning that I knew was really important, but I didn't always have the discipline to do otherwise. And so purchasing the course the first year, I remember chatting with Bonnie about it and saying, you know, I, I kind of feel like I know what's going to be in this class, but I know if I spend the money to do it, I'll actually follow through and execute on creating an annual plan. And and I did it. And it and it was a great step. In fact, I'd consider this your planning 101 step is something like the best year ever course. Start there. It's way better than anything I've ever done before. And uh, as you've heard on some of the past podcasts and past years, I've had some awesome results from doing this. So it's really up to my game. And yet, it wasn't fully sufficient for me. There was still something that I felt like I was missing. Uh, and, and a few reasons for that. What I would do is I'd put together the annual plan, and there were inevitably things that, you know, I'd, I'd put together the, the plan at the end of December, Jan, early January, and, and by time March would come around or April, there'd be things that weren't really as relevant anymore. Either something had changed professionally or something had changed family-wise or with kids, And the goal I had written down either was already easily accomplished and it wasn't clear what to do next, or the context had changed with a customer or with a business goal, and it wasn't really as relevant anymore. And so I found myself oftentimes setting aside some of those goals as the year went on and not paying attention to them as much as I wanted to or I intended to do. The other challenge I found is that if the goal was really far off, so say there was something I set as an annual goal, but it wasn't really going to be relevant until September or October or November or later in the year, I found it hard to motivate myself to really pay that much attention to it. And because of what I mentioned before, of you know some of the sometimes things not being relevant, inevitably the things that I plan to do later in the year would be the things that generally wouldn't happen. And the context often would change so much in the year that halfway through the year, the goals just didn't seem as relevant anymore. So I, I was I was struggling this with this for a few years, and, and so I was doing way better than I'd done before, and yet I didn't feel like I had quite hacked the system that was going to work out well for me. And so what so I felt something was missing, and, and that's why when I was talking to one of our Academy members, Mike Birch, he was sharing with me how he was utilizing a system, and he was basing it on a book that I'm introducing to you called The 12-Week Year by Brian Moran and Michael Lennington. 
And in fact, Mike shared some of the details of how he's using that book in the planning system in the very first member cast that I aired. And you can get access to that by going to coachingforleaders.com and setting up your free membership if you haven't already. If you've got a membership, you can go listen to the first member cast and you'll hear about some of the things that Mike started to do as far as his planning. And as he talked through it and as I saw him sharing what he was doing and his results with our Academy members I realized that it could really work for me. And so I decided to try this as an experiment for a year. And before I made a recommendation to you on utilizing a system that could work uh, in addition to annual planning that could help you to be even more effective, I wanted to make sure it really worked for me and it worked for some of our Academy members. So here's the essence of this system that's articulated in the 12-week year. So you plan out quarterly in addition to, or perhaps even instead of, planning out annually. I've actually found both to still be valuable. But you plan out things quarterly. And so here's the concept and how it works. You plan out a quarter. Now, quarter is approximately 13 weeks, depending on how the calendar falls, right? So you've got 52 weeks in the year divided by four, 13 weeks. And the reason the book is called The 12-Week Year is because the first 12 weeks of the the first 12 weeks are your execution time and then the 13th week is planning the next quarter so 13 times 4 52 weeks you've got your year right so here's what i've been doing for the past year is i've taken the areas of my life that i've previously identified as important when i've done the annual planning and i've attempted to find an objective or a focus area in each one of them for the quarter now i i should mention that I don't necessarily set a goal for every quarter for every one of these areas because sometimes things aren't appropriate to focus on or I focused on it last quarter and there's not really anything to do. So here's an example of that. These are the areas that I've identified that I focus on when I do planning. Health, marriage, kids, the Coaching for Leaders platform, my work at Carnegie, uh, finances, personal growth for myself and learning and growing, recreation, giving, friendships, and then finally, physical environment. So like you know, our house and the things around us uh, that I you know have the ability to influence. And so I, I do my best to see if I can capture an objective for each one of those areas. And so for example, this past year, we had some financial things we were working on as far as uh, changing over some accounts and tra- figuring out how we were tracking our finances differently. And so there were a couple of quarters that I had a very specific specific objective for finances. And there was one quarter that I didn't have anything down there because it wasn't relevant or I didn't choose to focus on it that quarter. So my goal is to get an objective down for the things that are important under those areas for that particular quarter. And what I try to do is to articulate a leading indicator. Now, you may remember us talking about leading indicators back on episode 294 when Chris McChesney was on. We were talking about how to move numbers. He's the author of the book, The Four Disciplines of Execution. And he talked about leading indicators and the difference between a leading indicator and a lagging indicator. The lagging indicator for me is the objective. The leading indicator is the thing that is going to be the action I'll take on a regular basis that'll actually get me there. So let me share two examples, one professional and one personal. So first, a personal example. One of my objectives, and I have this down on my list every quarter since I've been planning, an objective for me is to weigh 170 pounds. Left to my own devices, 
I would weigh more than that, as a lot of us would, right? So I just I have that as an ongoing goal. I'm not trying to lose more than that. I just want to pretty much maintain my weight about 170 pounds. That's a fairly healthy spot for me to be. So that's the objective, the lagging indicator, right? When I get on the scale and the you know the numbers are going up, there is nothing that I can do in that moment to change that number. The number is going to be whatever it's going to be, right? So that is a lagging indicator. It reflects the effort, the discipline I've put in or not over however long it's been since I last got on the scale, right? So the leading indicator is the thing that I can do that will actually get me towards that healthy weight. Now, this is, this is where the art of this comes in, in planning, is thinking about what is the right leading indicator for you that's going to get you toward your objective. And I mentioned weight because there's a lot of different leading indicators that people would choose that could work for them. For some people, a leading indicator is getting to the gym every day, and that is going to keep them healthy and keep them weighing the amount they need to weigh. For some people, it is um, not going out to eat, and that's the leading indicator of making sure they're not doing that or maybe only doing that once a week. And if they track that, they know they're going to do a good job. For me, my leading indicator, the thing that I found above all else that's going to keep me at a healthy weight is do I track what I eat? And so I use this app called Lose It on my phone, and I track, and I have very consistently for more than a year tracked every single thing I've eaten with the exception of a couple days of vacation, and I've recorded it. So I know what I'm eating. And so when I gain a little bit of weight, I know why. And I'm very aware of that because I can see in the record what I'm eating. I know people who that would not work for. And so that's a leading indicator for me that works. That's the thing that if I focus on that, I don't worry so much about what the scale says because the leading indicator, if I track, I'm going to do a good job of keeping myself at a healthy weight. Now, here's a professional example that you may have noticed if you've been listening to the show for a bit. It was to redesign the Coaching for Leaders website. This was about a year ago. It was one of my first projects on the quarterly planning. And the outcome, the objective was to redesign the Coaching for Leaders website to provide a better user experience for our academy members and to grow our audience. Those were the two driving factors that I wanted to make sure came out of the redesign project. And as I started thinking about what would I need to do in order to meet that objective, I identified two leading indicators that were critical for me in order to get that project started. And the two leading indicators were creating a vision document of exactly what I wanted to see as elements in the site redesign. And then secondly, identifying and hiring a designer that had experience with our technology platform. So those two leading indicators were actually a very small part of the project. That was just the part that got it started. The vast majority of my work and the work the designer did came after those two things. But I knew that if I did those two things first, that once I had the vision document and once I contacted and identified who the designer was going to be, then from that point forward, I knew the process would take care of itself. I'd follow the process. I'd work with the designer. They would drive the path forward. And in fact, that's exactly what happened. So I really zeroed in on those two leading indicators. Uh, by the way, I've gotten lots of great feedback on the website. If your organization uses WordPress like we do, Amy Harris's firm, Anchor Design and Branding, is a great one to consider. Her team did an amazing job with our site, and I'll link to her in the notes. 
So what I've been doing is planning out an objective and a leading indicator for each of those areas of life and work. So health, marriage, kids, the Coaching for Leaders platform. And then I look ahead in my calendar for the coming 12 weeks and I plan out what should happen in order uh, over those 12 weeks that's going to help me to achieve those objectives. So I literally plan out, okay, in week 44, you know, every week of the year has a has a, uh, has a a number, right? You can set up your calendar to show it as I do on my calendar. So you know which week is which. I've planned out, you know, what's happening in week 44? What's happening in week 48? What am I going to be working on this week? And I try to be as realistic as I can about how much time everything is going to take while also accounting for all the other things I've got on my calendar. Time off, obligations and commitments I've already made, our kids' school calendars, things I need to do just to keep the lights on, right? For a lot of us, there's probably 60 to 70% of our daily work in life that we have blocked that are just things we need to do in order to keep the lights on. And I I mean that in some cases, literally, but just to keep things moving, like... (laughs) We need to get our kids ready for school in the morning. I need to pack lunches uh, or Bonnie needs to pack lunches. Uh, we both have meetings and regular obligations uh, that we need to do to clients and customers and c- producing content. So probably 60 to 70% of my time is blocked. And I think it's probably even a little bit on the lower end of what a lot of people's time block. I, I know many of the people I work with, 80 90% of their time's blocked. Chris McChesney in the four disciplines of execution calls this the whirlwind. The things that are going to happen regardless of what you're doing as far as planning and strategy, just the daily whirlwind of being in business and being a professional and handling family affairs and all the things that most of us deal with regularly all day long. So the key is to do some planning around what do you do with the remainder of that time, whether it's 10% or 20% or however much time it is. And, and this takes time. This is the hard part, is sitting down and thinking through 12 weeks in advance, it takes time. For me, it takes an entire day. Now, the 12-week book people say to do this over a week. I found that once I start digging in, it's better for me to just power through and do it all at once. Um, and, and so I sit down and I, I really try to think of, okay, over the next 12 weeks, what's going on? What is the week I'm not going to do anything because I've got uh, client obligations or maybe our kids are off school for a couple of days or whatever is going on that I know that it's going to affect my schedule. And I, I plan around those. And then I sit down and I get all the things put on the objectives and the leading indicators. And I start filling out the different weeks. And I think, you know, okay, week 44, this is going to go here and I'll do this in week 46. And then there's the point every single time I've done this, that I hit a serious level of frustration. I get to about week 11 or 12 of the quarter, and I've started putting in all the time and all the things that I think I can get done, and I still have half of the objectives left on my list that I haven't touched. Every time, same thing. It really makes me mad. (laughs) It makes me mad because, like a lot of people I know, I want to do it all. And even though I know it's not possible logistically, there's something deeply rooted in my brain that tells me that I can really do it all, (laughs) but I can't. And it's frustrating and it makes me mad because I've got this huge list of stuff that I know I could do and I want to do. And I have to start crossing stuff off the list. So I try really, really hard to remember 
the quote from Michael Porter, one of the top thinkers on strategy, who says the essence of strategy is choosing what not to do. What I end up doing is starting to take some of the things off my list and tagging them in my planning system for the following quarter when I can revisit them and decide if you know this is still important. Sometimes I'll just scratch something off entirely. I'm like, well, <laughs> the physics does not allow for this to happen, even though I think it could happen this quarter. And I don't like it, but I've got to do it. Because here's what I've learned the past year of doing this. I'm going to feel frustrated either way that I can't get as much done as I want to. So better to have decided up front what I'm not even going to attempt to spend the next 12 weeks feeling frustrated about all the time. Because the alternative is to have an almost constant feeling of frustration on a daily and weekly basis that I'm not accomplishing as much as I could. So once I get past all that, and I realistically have a decent plan for what I can accomplish over the next 12 weeks, then it's just execution. So I still do my weekly planning I talked about in episode 180. I don't attempt to plan out every hour of every 12 weeks. That would be madness for me to try to do that even a couple of weeks in advance. I simply decide on the quarterly plan and what are the things that are going to happen each week when I do that quarterly review. And then each week when I do the weekly review, then I schedule in tactically what are the next steps in each of those areas. And when things come up, as they do for all of us, good ideas I want to execute on, unexpected commitments, customer requests that I didn't anticipate, then I do one of two things. I either change the plan or most of the time, if I can, if something new comes in, I'll tag it for the next quarter in my task management system. And then when I do my next quarterly review, I'll say, okay, you know, here's the thing that I need to consider doing. Um, now, this brings up something that people ask me about when I've been sharing what I've been doing with planning is they'll say, well, doesn't a plan change? How do you navigate when stuff starts moving around on you during the quarter? And the answer to that is, of course it changes. It changes every day. I, I've had multiple times today already that I've made tweaks to my schedule and calendar because of things happening or not happening. So here's how I deal with that. If something doesn't happen for whatever reason in a particular day or a particular week, I try to move it to a later week in the quarter. So I'll leave a little bit of wiggle room at the end of every quarter for the inevitable stuff that took longer than I thought it was going to, or things came up, or uh, someone was sick. You know, those kinds of things happen all the time. Now, sometimes if I'm thinking clearly and honestly enough with myself, and something didn't happen, and it's likely not going to happen in the context of everything else I have planned, then I'll push it over to the next quarter's list. And here's something I think that's really critical for me, and I think is critical for a lot of us, is I have a next quarter list. I have it. That's key. So it's on my laptop. It's on my phone. It syncs everywhere. So when I think of something, I don't have to carry it around in the mental space. Oh, I should really do that. All I do is I open it up. I tag it for the next quarter. I put it in the list, and I'm done with it. It's so that way I don't have to spend time thinking about it, worrying about it, thinking about when I'm going to do it, how I'm going to get that done. It just goes right in there right away. The other cool hack about this that has really worked for me over a quarter is that 12 weeks isn't long enough to cause a lot of massive issues. I, I haven't had it happen yet that something really unexpected threw off my plan for the entire quarter, maybe for a week or two, but that's the beauty of only planning out a very short period of time, 12 or 13 weeks, is that 
it's pretty unlikely that something massively is going to change enough that it's going to throw off your entire plan. But here's the big one. Here's where this really hits home for me. I make better decisions throughout the quarter, every week, every day, because I've already done the critical thinking on what's important to me and our family members and our business and why it's important. So that makes it a lot easier to respond in real time and sometimes to say no to opportunities and requests very efficiently. I, I, I try to think regularly of the quote from Dwight Eisenhower who said, plans are worthless, but planning is everything. If we have taken the time to plan out and to think critically about our time and our resources for ourselves and for our organization, we make better decisions in the moment tactically on what is right for the organization's strategy and for our own strategy versus the things that are just going to suck away time. So I have three calls to action for you, and I challenge you to take one of these calls to action based on this planning process. If you've never thought about writing out plans before, or maybe you've thought about it, but you haven't done it, this may not be the place to start. Planning a quarter is intense. It takes time to block and do well. It's been a learning experience for me over the last year of getting better at this. So if that's you, and this may sound overwhelming, don't fret. Watch your inbox for the next month because I'm going to have an invitation for you to learn more about the best year ever course again. That is the annual planning process. I think it's a fabulous starting point. It's something I'm still doing because it'll get you started on annual planning. That's the place to start if you've never done this. And once you have annual plans, then you can start to break them down later into quarters if you want. Now, if you don't already get my weekly leadership guide, I'll tell you how to do that in just a bit. Now, Let's say you've done that, and like me, maybe you've done the best year ever course, or you've written out annual goals, and you're ready for the next step. And maybe you're thinking like me, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like there's something still missing. I, I don't always execute on everything. I'd encourage you to pick up the book, The 12-Week Year by Brian Moran and Michael Lennington. Just commit to read the book this quarter, and then decide if you're going to attempt starting this next quarter. But it'll give you a good starting point for getting into this thinking of how do you execute more regularly and more consistently on planning and strategy. Now, third, maybe, just maybe, you've heard this and you're ready to try it. Just jump in. And it's okay if it's not the start of the quarter. Perhaps it's even better, in fact. There's no reason you can't start today, even if there's only nine weeks left in the quarter or six or four. Test it out for part of the quarter and see what results you get. This still happens to me. In fact, I'm actually planning out this quarter later this week. Um, so I'll only be planning out nine or 10 weeks this time around because I've missed a couple weeks because I got hung up on other projects that were uh, that were hanging over me from last quarter. Don't get hung up on stuff like that. As our Academy members hear me say all the time, just get started. Start the momentum. If you'll do that, then you'll find out what's working or what's not. And if you do any of those three things, I'd love to know. Send me a quick note and tell me what worked or didn't. And maybe you're picking up the show for the very first time, and if you are, welcome. And if that's you, or if you've been listening for a bit and you haven't yet joined my weekly leadership guide, here's what to do. Just go over to the coachingforleaders.com website. You'll see a place right on the front page there to 
activate your free membership. When you activate your free membership, you get access to a whole bunch of resources, the entire podcast library, my personal library, our member cast that I mentioned earlier, and you'll also get access to the weekly leadership guide. I publish that every Wednesday, it comes to your inbox, it includes the show notes for every episode, but it also includes links and resources to other podcasts, videos, audios, articles that I think you should be reading during the week that'll help to continue to support your leadership development. If you haven't done that already, go over to coachingforleaders.com. Now, a few related episodes to this planning conversation today, I mentioned earlier episode 180 titled, Do This for a Productive Week. In that episode, I detailed out how I do my weekly planning process. I've tweaked a few things since then, but the core elements of it are still the same. If you do have a plan and you're wondering, how do you plan out each week? Episode 180 is a great place to start. Also recommended is episode 294, how to actually move numbers with Chris McChesney. He's the author of The Four Disciplines of Execution with the Franklin Covey Organization. Fabulous book on helping you learn the distinction between leading indicators, lagging indicators, and how you can take these concepts and help you execute more in your organization. Check that out, episode 294. And also, MemberCast 1, how to turn goals into results. Mike Birch and I talked about how to utilize the 12-week year. Check that out. You can access it again at coachingforleaders.com. Have a great week, and let me know if you tackle planning using the quarterly system. I would love to hear what's working for you. Take care.